0: All right, thank you for tuning in to another Bucks of America podcast with your host, Jeff Vance. I want to do a special shout-out real quick here to some of my listeners across the world. My biggest shout-out comes to Dublin, Ireland. You guys have been a big support, and thank you guys for listening out there. Uh, A few people out there in Montreal, Canada, so thank you for that. All the way out from down under, Blackburn, Australia, which is pretty remarkable. And last but not least, Rome, Italy. I've never had anybody from Rome listen to my podcast, but uh, it's pretty exciting to have that. Now, today I have a special guest. His name is Craig James. He is an up-and-coming uh, hunter in the world. He's got a couple of things working. he's working towards to, to establish himself in the outdoor industry. And uh, he's also an up-and-coming TikTok star as well, so you can go and find his TikTok out there. It's a hilarious information out there, but he's also information too as well so he has a he's a double threat on there so this way when you w- turn into his videos you're not only gonna be entertained, but you're also gonna learn something about his uh, personality so craig man why don't you give us a little background on you
1: um yeah i guess um my wife and i we live in green bay wisconsin we, um we've been married for uh two three years now we've got a beautiful stepdaughter um, I worked full time at a labeling company in Seymour, Wisconsin. And I've been basically outdoors, um, since I was 13 years old. Growing up, I have, I was very, very close to my uncle Nick, who actually got me into the outdoor industry. And three years ago, he passed away due to cancer. So that was pretty tough on me. It hit me very, very hard. And, um, but yeah, all my knowledge and everything, whether it was from fishing to pheasant hunting, the whitetail, the turkey—I mean, it was all through my uncle Nick, and I guess that's what really got me going. And since I started doing it, it just became a lifestyle for me, and I just took off with it.
0: Well, that's awesome. So, now your your uncle Nick—I'm sorry for your loss for that. Uh, but your Nick was—he's he's the one that got you into hunting, then.
1: Yeah, yep. He was the one that took me everywhere.
0: So, what's uh, what was the hunt that like sealed the deal for you too?
1: Um, basically, um what What was the biggest connection for us was when he took me pheasant hunting out in new London Wisconsin um we got to go out there every um early early fall and with his with his dog buddy and I guess that was that's what got me the drive I mean just kicking out the pheasants and shooting them and just I guess reliving that memory with him and being able to do that every year until the you know the cancer took took in and took that over but yeah that's that was the main sealer right there me getting into my own doors
0: that's awesome now you've been are you uh been a normal uh, been a long-term resident in the green bay area
1: yes um i've been i've been living in green bay since i was what am i 31 now yeah i've been living in green bay since i was 20 years old oh
0: awesome so i that's how i cut my teeth on hunting was small game hunting it was from pheasant hunting with my dad and his friends and dog hunting and uh on top of that going out small and then uh, rabbit hunting was is still one of my longtime passions. I love hunting rabbits because it's like it's, it's a it's an art to find them because they're such good job of camouflaging and just trying to catch their stillness while they're while you're walking around and, and hopefully they don't notice that you notice them first. But it's like yep. it's a uh, it's a fun thing to do. Like when I was younger, hunting in Northern Iowa, we would go. We would have uh, like the, at the end the last weekend of the season, we'd all go out and we would do a little little um, fun competition and whoever had the most uh rabbits either had certain qualifications would and we do it on a saturday because this way then we can the adults would be able to enjoy some adult beverages now since uh everybody's gotten older it's like it's it doesn't the tradition is no longer there because it's they have other things that are going on most of them all retired now so they've all either moved away or unfortunately passed away it's just one of those it's one of those things you know it's 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 a difficult thing as, as you get older all your friends start passing away but getting back to the story is that uh, we would all get out and it's like i was kind of like the main guy because it's like i could we could be driving along it's like a, I, I could spot a rabbit without a problem and <laughs> My dad and I would spend so much time driving around on uh, throughout the season from October till February we just knew where all the hot spots were and so we would, we would always uh, capitalize on that and so it's like the, somebody, the, the losing team would have to buy uh, booze or, or soda and they had to provide some of the uh, some additional sides because we had to turn around and end up eating all the meat too, of course. That's that's the whole reason for it. So we'd prepare like deep fry it or cook it or, or grill it. So And then even even for those who were felt would need to get warmed up from the cold day, it's like they would turn around and put it into some soup as well because and pepper right. is just delicious. And uh, one story on my mind that sticks out is that we met in a small town called Orchard, Iowa, and it had okay. a, a uh, restaurant there, and it's like we all met up for lunch just at noon because we started our day off at daybreak, and then we'd, we'd, we'd wrap up at sunset, and we get out to the, we finished up eating, and one of the guys decides to hop, look in the back of his truck to make sure everything was there and nothing was stolen. And all he noticed, because we're also doing a tally of who will, how many rabbits each of, each of us has to kind of give us a, because we didn't have cell phones at the time. So it's like, right. it's, it's like, it's all like, what do you got? Since so this way, there's no way of fibbing. We open up this guy's back of his tr- uh, topper of his truck, and here's a rabbit still alive, bleeding outside of his head because when they shot it, they hit it in the head, but it deflected. So he was in a 22, and most uh, of us. Most of us were using just using four tens because we wanted to make sure we had that clean kill. And, and it's like, and it doesn't take much to get the BBs out. So, and it's a good way. And if you, if you bite one, if you bite down on one, you, you find out the hard way. And uh, so, Nan, so what are your current passions then for the hunting? What do you like to hunt now primarily?
1: Yeah, my current passions, like, <laughs> I have to say, it's, it's, it's got to be my turkey hunt. I mean, there's, I, I absolutely love hunting the rut for whitetail. Um, I am big in the whitetail hunting, but now with me starting on my new property out by my in-laws, I'm still, still figuring out the patterns on that property. Okay. Um, like a, a wide stretch of line property. It's, it's tough to get them in through daylight because there's a lot of, um, human activity in the area with, you know, kids and four wheelers and stuff like that. But, um, it's starting to come along pretty good here though. But, um, yeah, my passion is hundred percent spring turkey hunting with a bull.
0: That's awesome, man. Because th- you've had a fantastic season. Because I know last year you know like I was following you pretty closely, and you going setting out there, setting up your pattern for your decoys and such, and just striking out, striking out. So, what did you learn last year that made you so successful this season?
1: Uh, you know, there's there's a, there's a few things. Um, me personally, I go about turkey hunting probably in a whole different, a whole different way than people do here in Wisconsin. So like. A lot of people a lot of my friends they run and gun they'll, they'll okay. hit the pump, try to get a resp- response and they all mainly use guns so what they'll do is they'll just go after the bird themselves and just poke up against a tree um i don't know i just love i love taking my ground blind out early in the morning and i pack a lunch pack some water in my bag and i will sit and i will s- do an all-day set from sun up to sundown and that's how i that's how i tree hunt them so i don't go run and gun i don't I feel running and gunning for like, I, personally I don't know how to really do it so I mean there's obviously tactics on how to run and gun a bird mm-hmm. and I tactics are just <laughs> staying in the ground line um, getting that decoy decoy set up the right way and just periodically calling them waiting for a response yeah um, a lot of things too last year I learned that from this year with me being very very successful um y- you gotta have the patience I mean they're there was times when I would, you know, go out of my way to take out friends and I love doing it and I will to this day keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Um friends don't have the opportunities or the properties that I have. Yes. Um but I, I noticed last year with the with the success rate going absolutely haywire, um some some of the people I took out, you know, it just they they would sit for two hours and we we don't hear a gobble, we don't hear a hen clock or, you know, a yelp and right away we gotta move, we gotta move. And I just I noticed last year, constantly doing that, moving to five different spots in one day. Mm-hmm. It, it just the purpose, and we just I think we just stirred them all up. I mean, we're the success rate was just it was ridiculously low. And what really frustrated me last year was the properties that we were on hunting. I knew there were birds there because in two thousand, you know, in two thousand seventeen or yeah, two thousand seventeen, um, I was successful. But again, I went back to my same my same tactic, my same strategy of doing my all day sets. Okay. Um yeah, And another another big thing, you know, is I learned from myself is to not over over call a turkey. That okay. was a biggest flaw that I had where, you know, I get all jacked up, you know, hear a gobble in the distance and right away I gotta keep calling, keep calling, keep calling. So, you know, I Spoke with a good buddy of mine, Dan Lara, who's very, very big in the turkey hunting as well here in Green Bay. Um, he goes, you just, you just gotta not overcall him. I mean, you, if you have a gobbler responding back to your call, I'm, I'm, i learned that to take my call, I just put it away. I don't even call him no more because what that's telling that Tom is that she wants him to come to, come to her. Where uh-huh. if I bonding responding to him, he's gonna, he's gonna hang up. He's gonna, he's gonna be hung up, and he's gonna wait for her to come to him. And that's gotcha. what's uh, mine because it, ha- it happened to me. It happened to me last year on a big, big time property where I had one. at about eighty five yards, and it was a beautiful bird. But I just kept overcalling, overcalling, and he would not. He he stayed right out there. He would never come in.
0: Yeah, that is frustrating. Now, what type of calls do you use? Well,
1: so I personally use I use a box box calls, and then this year I started using um, an a- actual slate call. Okay. And Reason why I went to a slate call is because, well, for one, I self-film all my hunts with a tripod. And I'm out there also using a bowl. So having my hands uh-huh. on a tripod, trying to hold on to my bowl, I don't have much, you know, m- much room for me to be using calls. And I try using mold calls and I just can't get the hang of it. I, I mean, I.
0: I can't get the hang I, of it either. I just over salivate and it just, it just, I, yep. I can't get the call to work for me.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, for some people, they can put a mole call in and boom, it's game on for them. But I just stepped away from the mole calls and I, like I said, I use my slate call. And I, what I learned was when I'm self-filming my hunts, um, I just basically get everything set up and I put that, the camera right on the decoys because I, I know that if I can get a bird to come in, he can come to those decoys every time. And so what I do is I put that slate call right on my, um, right on my, my thigh and I just take the striker and I just, I just hit it. And it works, it works splendid for me. Like it's works every time.
0: Do you have your slate call on you? Maybe you can do us a couple, give us a couple examples.
1: I actually, unfortunately, I do not have it on me. It's in my vehicle. Yeah, I will do that real quick. Thank you, Craig. Yep.
2: Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens
1: Oh, yeah, it's coming down. We actually are supposed to be getting two inches of rain here in Green Bay. And I'm just going to cause another mess for that east side of Green Bay because they're just constantly flooding.
0: Bummer, man. Yeah, down here, it's like I looked at the radar, and it started raining here, I don't know, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock last night. And then it's like it's just all the way down 90 out past Sioux Falls. just nothing but rain. It's like, hmm. But luckily, like, I'm supposed to, we're supposed to be getting together with some friends uh, in the afternoon to do a grill out. And uh, my wife's going over there to help. Her uh her wifey to go out and they want to rip up carpet from one of the rooms because the dogs have kind of destroyed the carpet, so they yeah. want to pull that stench out. So that's what they're going to be doing today. So it's like, all right, well then we guess we can we can bounce it all out. Nice thing is like my buddy's got a garage, so we can just put the grill on the on the edge of the garage and just kind of have fun and just enjoy the weather, even though it's raining like cats and dogs. Right, right. So why don't you give us uh, a couple of different calls and break them down to us and what you're trying to do with each call?
1: Right. Uh, yeah. So my big, my my main one, the Primo's web box I have, um, it's a very very loud um box call, which basically with this one right here, I normally use to locate a tom, or I will use this quite often on very windy days, because with a slate call, I like to be quiet with that. Well, when it's very okay. windy out, I think that that noise doesn't get pushed out as much as I wanted to, because mm-hmm. I've had this spring, um, I've had I've had tom gobble at me. Literally, probably about 200, 300 yards away. And then when, okay. with me pushing on this call, it, it it allows them to hear it a lot better. Mm-hmm. So what I normally do, I'll, I'll take that call, and I'll just I'll strike it as hard as I can. I mean, I'll just... I'll just hit it as okay. hard as I can, repeatedly, about you know, four or five times. If I don't get a response, that's okay. Because I've had birds this, this spring come in silent, but I've also had them mm-hmm. So that one... That's what I use for my long distance, basically locating the toms. Okay. And then when I do have them around, I, I'll switch it up. Now, with that high pitch um, yelp right there, I also have a call. Um, it's called a raspy, uh, a raspy old hen. Okay. And it actually off a different type of sound on a hen. So with that telling the tom, maybe there's two different hens around or, you know, stuff like that. So Okay. But with this one, this one, I won't go as loud, but what I'll do is I'll just... I'll hit it. I guess I call this one my medium distance call. Okay. So if I know I'm around 100, you know, 180 yards, I'll hit this one. Okay. And I've noticed now, like, like how I normally hunt, I hunt a lot of, um, a lot of field edges. So it, it, it's all open. So, mm-hmm. you know, with the bird's eyesight like that, as soon as I get one, you know, really active and responsive to me, I know they, they will see my decoys. And once they see my decoys, you know, I, I you know. They just, it just they come in. And that that setup I have, like I said, is just ridiculous.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, like I said, my up close is my slate call, and I don't know how well it's gonna. Yep. Yeah. See, I just go really quiet. That's I talk quiet. Be. I that's, that's quiet. I'll go. And that's and, between
0: like fifty and hundred yards.
1: That's about this. This slate call, I would say I haven't used this call. So this year using this call. If I have a tom, forty yards or less, mm-hmm. I'll call. And I said, and I said, I will put that right on my thigh, and I'll just hit it, strike it with my thigh. And mm-hmm. as soon as I know that they're coming in or they're running in on me, I just take this and I just basically throw it off into the ground line. And mm-hmm. that's all. Yeah. Once those birds are um, <clears throat> dedicated to those um, decoys, I don't need to use a single, another another call.
0: Oh, wow, that makes perfect sense to me, man. That's pretty impressive because yeah. I've been hunting for a period of time. This would have been my sixth season, but I had to take the season off because of a hip injury, and now I have a better idea on like how I'd want to approach next season. Because I was, if if I didn't have the issues I had, it's like I would wanted to hit you up and drive all up to Green Bay and spend the yep. weekend up there and and uh, be able to tackle and cross that one off my list. Now. We're kind of building to the climax here, because like most of the people don't know like how many tur- turkeys you've actually bagged this season. Why don't you uh, break that news to us?
1: Yeah. So starting all this spring, um, I had the opportunity of basically hunting multiple properties. Um, and going along with that, real quick, it, it all you gotta do is walk up to the door. I didn't mean, basically go glass fields. Did you see Tom? Did you see turkeys? A lot of them. Go up to the the door, knock on it. And ask them for permission. I mean okay. professional about it, you know, you be polite, um, tell them your background, stuff like that. The worst they can do is say no. And then you just move on to the next property. I mean I've I had I can't tell you how many properties this year that people have actually said no to me, which is it's fine. I, I totally understand that. You just go on to the next. And that's what I did. So um yeah, this spring I ended up I had tags one through four. Okay. Um, and I actually ended up begging four birds. And they were all in my bowl. Um, that, and that coolest thing about that was I actually obeyed f- four different times in four different weeks on four different properties. That's
0: awesome, man. Yep. So what was the consistent factor between all, with all four properties that, that allowed you to be successful?
1: Well, start, okay. So starting with week one, I, this, that one was the hardest week for me. I feel only because um, it was at my um, in-laws' property, and that, that was that um, that long stretch of creek line there that I just didn't know where the birds were. I didn't know how often they moved through there. Um, and that the field that I actually hunted on this year that I shot my tom on, actually didn't even get planted. It was just a vacant field. Okay. So I didn't know how active and how often they would be traveling in that part of the area with not being much vegetation and food there for them. Okay. But, um, I got an insider from one of the, one of our family members that they've been frequently seeing some birds in the back corner. So I'm like, well, what's it going to hurt? Go down there and sit for one day. I got seven days to hunt for week one. I'll go down there one day and sit. So mm-hmm. I I went down after work Friday. It was a beautiful day out. It was sunny out. I, I want to say it, that day was about maybe eight mile per hour wind coming out of the south. So it was actually warm. And I got all set up, whatever, and I got my ground line in, put my decoy set up load, and I started hitting the calls right away. As soon as I get in that ground line, I just started hitting the call. Okay. And I struck the box call balls, I don't know, three, four times. And then I just let it sit. And these birds actually came out of the area where I would have thought they would have came out of last. I was hoping they were coming out of the West because that's where they've been seen' them come out. They must be roosting down there. Okay. They're going to come right out in front of me. Okay. They did the total opposite and came from the East. And it actually threw me off for the surprise. And it was the coolest thing ever because when they started coming out, that the first bird i seen was a tom. A tom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I ended up counting seven different toms in the field.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: now that really got me jacked up because it was a new property of my in-laws. Didn't know what to expect. And now, now I'm seeing seven toms in the field. I That would have been the last thing I ever expected. Okay. And it came off that hill and two of the toms... Ended up hanging out with the hen, but I had two other times. Then they just they see my decoys and they got they got ticked off. And I had it all on video. I showed them running into them, and mm-hmm. they came into about seven yards. And I drew back, I drew back on him when he strutted out and kind of turned away from me, which allowed me to pull back and I shot him at five and a half yards.
0: That's awesome. Now, yep. when when you're lining up a shot on a, on a bird like that, how do you pinpoint when you know you're going to hit a kill shot?
1: So there's there's I will only shoot a tom on two different occasions. So if he's if he's coming at me, if he's strutting, looking right at me, I will put that pin right on his red jugular. I okay. will hit it every time. Granted, that's a very small area to aim for. Mm-hmm. But with me and how I set up my decoy setups, um, I don't. I haven't. I didn't have to shoot a tom this year over nine yards. Okay. Um, whether it's coming in sideways to me, like on you know, a broadside, like you know, like a deer would be, mm-hmm. I um, right where that wing starts to kind of dip down on the bird where the white is, mm-hmm. I go right in the middle of that wing, and I, if you drill them there every time, that bird will not go more than twenty yards, and I haven't had a bird this year go, run off more than fifteen yards.
0: Nice. That's 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 a very rewarding experience because you never know. Because I've yep. heard on different podcasts where people will injure them and they'll mm-hmm. just take off and they'll you'll yep. never see them. And the biggest thing is like they want to inj- if you're if it's if you're going to hit them, you want to hit them right right where you have an opportunity to make sure the wing is inoperable, so this way doesn't have yeah. a chance to fly in, in
1: uh, and yep. boost on you. You want to break that. You every time you want to break that wing bone. You want to. Mm-hmm reduce their chances of flying off or getting across that crick line or i mean i've heard stories too of them shooting a bird and it flies up into a tree i mean my goal every year on a a spring turkey is to hit them in the wing and you'll be just fine
0: there you go and then the company over here that you see i'm a hat i'm wearing it's it's a veteran ip veteran innovative products and they're based here in america they're down in texas and uh they make what they call the guillotine, and it's a, a four by four inch blade. is designed yep. for that uh, decapitation, and the blades are so sharp uh, they actually almost the the de- decapitated an ostrich neck or head. That's oh, how yeah. sharp they are. Yeah, it's like it's it's like watching the video and watching the bird come in. There's because it's like they have it pinned between some sagebrush, so it creates an alleyway, and it just drew back yep. at at five yards and it sliced head.
2: the.
0: Red. Yeah, yep. it's like, and the best, and I found out from talking to the owner, uh, Matt, and he was saying it's like the best way to practice so that to get used to that, 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 that flight pattern and the, the drop and such, because it is a heavy, uh, uh, um, arrow, a broadhead, is just to shoot yep. into a pillow. It's the best way to learn. And so this way, and he, yep. it's always recommended to have multiple, bl- uh, set, or, uh, broadheads like this, so this way you have one to practice, and a couple other ones this way if you happen to damage one, and especially for how successful your career. Now, that's a really great breakdown of week one. So then, how did what, what did you do on week two, three, and four?
1: Oh, so, week two, um, I, you know, it's so, it's hard to, it's, I shouldn't say hard to explain, but I guess week two and week four have a lot of meaning this year to my hunt. On um, week two, I got permission now, again, on a different piece of property, now, which is actually only a mile up the road from my in laws. And believe it or not, it actually the same stretch of creek line, but this was now, now the creek line then bleeds into a big piece of 120 acre cedar property okay. and my buddy, um, or who I got permission from goes, we got a lot of birds down here, go hunt them. I mm-hmm. guess um, every year, him and his, they buy fall tags and they just want to get them out because they're just, they're tearing up the crops, they're eating the seeds when they plant. I mean, they just do not like the turkeys at all, so I'm like, <laughs> this is a huge opportunity for and see what's actually what's all down here. Okay. Well, I tell you, I um, I I got down there week two, um, with my buddy um, Justin Noyan. He got up early. I met him at a quick trip in Pulaski, picked him up, and we actually got set up in our ground blind at four forty-five a.m. Okay. And I, did I go, this is a beautiful morning. I mean, it was a clear sky. This, the, it was the perfect sunrise coming up. And my goal this year. Was to double up and get some sunrise pictures of and turkeys. Okay. And little, little do we know, 20 minutes sitting into it, the whole wood lit up with gobbles. I mean, we heard eight different gobbles that morning, and they were so close to us that I, we do not know how we didn't kick them off the roost because they were that close. And mm-hmm. we actually, when that sun's up, we actually picked up the side of our ground line, and we could see three times roosted literally 30 yards from us. Nice. It was, it was absolutely ridiculous. So, but on week two, yeah, so break that down. Um, it's about 530. They're hammering, hammering, gobbling like crazy. I, I hit my sleigh call knowing that these birds are that close. I didn't even use the box calls. Now I went right to the sleigh call again Mm
3: -hmm. and
1: I hit that sleigh call twice and I had, we had three responses just boom, right away. Now that told me, okay, they're 30 yards away looking to an open field where our, where our decoys are. They already see our decoys. I'm done. I didn't hit another call the rest of that morning. Those mm-hmm. toms flew down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I was gonna say, you you said your decoys. What pattern? Like, what did you set up for your your oh. you for your pattern for your decoys?
1: So the pattern that I've used, um, and I actually got this idea from again um, Dan Lara. Um, so what I do with my decoys is I will put my lay down breeder hen. I will put her about five and a half yards, but I'll have her facing me, okay. and then I'll have it's my now, I used to use a half strut Jake Eco Avion X. Okay. Now, for whatever reason, those toms didn't want nothing to do with that half strut. and okay. I couldn't get a tom to come in at all.
3: Mm-hmm. The previous
1: years, I ended up buying um a quarter strut Jake, kind of like a less intimidating Jake. Mm-hmm. And that posture, that at that, that posture on that Avion is the golden ticket. So I put him now. I'll put him facing kind of on an angle to her, mm-hmm. facing her, and I'll put him three yards away from her okay. which allows you know what tells us okay i got time to come in now and intercept this so mm-hmm. where if you put that decoy too close that uh, tom's gonna feel like he don't have enough time okay well that jake has her now he's gonna move on Ah, so putting that distance that distance from that jake and that hen what is a big money ticket right there too and then what i'll do is i'll take a feeder hen just to add in more turkeys or whatever make it more realistic I'll throw her about 15 yards to either to the east or the west. Doesn't matter which way. Mm-hmm. I'll, th- I'll just throw her off to the side. And those, um, the two toms came in and one of the toms that came in that morning actually yeah. hung up by my, um, feeder head. I'm like, okay. So the two other toms just, they come running right into the decoys. And mm-hmm. what's crazy about that video, hear that video of me and Justin actually in the ground line talking. So I had the bull and he had the gun with this would have been his first turkey he's ever shot. And I told him, I go, I will put you on a bird. I promise you that. Okay. And so that first time, I'm like, I drew back. And we literally, it was the funniest thing ever. We did a countdown. I'm like, all right, three, two, one. I shot my bird. And boom, as soon as I said, three, two, one, I I pulled my trigger. Boom, he shot his tom with his gun at four yards dropped him. Well, the shot that I made on my turkey, I'm going back to, you want to hit him in that wing. Well, his tom actually twisted and he did a, he was, that he, was quartering, he was basically quartering at the decoy. Okay. So when I shot him, it actually went right through the breast and went through the airways. Well, there's no vitals in that breast or airways. Okay. So when I hit that bird, I had a complete pass. I had a complete pass through. Mm-hmm. That bird dropped. He got back up. actually started to slowly walk away as in like I made a complete miss. But we know, I know I hit him.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I didn't want to, I didn't. With this bird walking off and dying, or like you said, going into a thick cover where he's injured,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: I was, you know, I made the shot of my bow. We know he was going to die. It's just a matter of okay, how long do we have to wait? Wait till he lays down, blah blah. Well, we didn't want to do that. Okay, and so I just, just I didn't panic. I just like, you know what? I don't have time to knock another arrow. I just grabbed his gun, and that's the funniest thing ever. I grabbed the gun, and I pulled up not knowing he's using three and a half inch mag shells, and I shot the bird. Dropped it, and it then it took me right on my butt. It took me right off the chair, <laughs> and, he just, and I looked at Justin. I go, and this is why I bow hunt. <sighs> I just that thing it, it knocked me right over. I, I laughed so hard. I looked at him like, this is why I bow hunt. This is why I don't shoot guns.
0: That's crazy, man. But I um, s- uh huh.
1: Yeah, it's it all by. 5.45 a.m., the sunrise is coming up, the sky, is like, literally, it looked like it was on fire, and we got him his first bird, we got my first ever double up at sunrise, and the pictures we got are just absolutely stunning. I guess it's just the coolest thing ever. That's
0: awesome. Man. I stopped, bow hunting here several, or stopped gun hunting here several years ago, because um, I was in a uh, ground blind incident where we had a deer come off to my right-hand side where I should have shot it. Well, my buddy's got this chip on his shoulder, yep. he want to shoot it. Well, the barrel is right here at my nose. And so when it, when you, when you yeah. pull the trigger, I lost hearing in my right ear. So I have this, this, tinnitus in my ear for, for, for now and forever wow. until my ear stops working. So it's like, now I just like, I just stick with, uh, bow hunting. Cause it's like, I like that challenge. I like the intimacy of it. Cause it's like, you have to getting nice wow. and close. And, um, I just like it cause it's like this okay. way. I feel like I have more control over it because it's like, I just love practicing. And plus it's like, it's a lot cheaper to, 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 practice with your bow than it is with the gun because eventually you're gonna run out of bullets. With arrows you just gotta work you just you just yep. eventually just get tired.
1: Yes, so absolutely. Th- absolutely.
0: That sounds like a very exciting week too. So then what about week what so what's going what happened in week three and week four?
1: Yeah so week three um I actually ended up going down to a co-worker's property right out of Seymour. Mm-hmm. and that's a property that I've hunted the past couple years also. And in two thousand eighteen I actually shot my personal vest down there with a ten inch beard and that bird actually weighed twenty then that bird weighed twenty nine pounds. So Damn. I know there's birds down. There, and um my co worker said he um, he sees them all the time down in that little clover patch. He's he he's evening, morning, midday. I mean they're out there all the time. So I know there's birds down. There.
3: So mm-hmm. then
1: that um I'm trying to think of that, what day it was. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, Thursday, um, I went down there and set up ground blind again and I was looking over the clover field and <clears throat> It was kind of windy that day and i like, all right, well, I hit the box call again and again, started out absolutely nothing. I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. windy out. And this is actually, it was cold. Like I was wearing all my late season trees gear. That's how cold it was that day. Wow. And then there's, then also that wind died down and I got a, I got a couple of, about five minutes of barely any wind coming through. So I, I ended up hitting my box call as loud as I could.
3: Yeah. And
1: little, or, little or none, boom, I had a response. I'm like, okay. There's two towns around here. Where are they? Well, how mm-hmm. I had my ground line set up, I was actually field where I couldn't see anything behind me. So all the woods behind me, it's un-unvisible. I can't see it. Okay. Well, all of a sudden, twenty minutes later, I haven't hit a call yet. Boom! That Tom responds. That he he gobbles. I'm like, okay. So now I hit my sleigh call. He gobbles again, and all of a sudden they stop. So then now I'm just trying to figure out where are they coming from. They can come from the side of me. They can come straight directly behind me. Okay. So I just so happen peek out my back window, which was all silhouetted in, I just kind of opened the screen a little bit, and there's two toms standing eight yards behind my ground blind.
0: Oh, that's exciting. So that
1: kind of like, oh, yeah, it kind of freaked me a little bit, and now here I'm stuck with my finger, having my ground blind open, staring at these toms, like, are they going to see me? And all of a sudden, for some reason, they both look back to the woods, and I just hold my ground blind, I ended up hitting my slate call, and they gobbled right behind me at eight yards, and Uh there's an opening to my west ground blind, where if they come out, they get to that opening, they're going to see the setup. Again, they've seen that setup. They've seen that Jake. And with it being windy that day, that Jake was actually kind of moving a little bit. It was kind of gave it a more of a realistic kind of a a pose, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they both, those decoy tons both came into it. And again, I took the first one I seen come in. They gave me an opportunity shot. And with my dirt nap, um, I ended up drilling him so hard. Now, the video I have of that shot. If you turn that volume up on that video, it's almost like a gun hit that bird. That dirt nap broadhead hit that bird so hard it sounded like a twelve gauge hitting that bird. Nice. It it was ridiculous. I hit him so hard and he flopped around about three yards and he died right there and the other Tom did not want to leave. The so Tom stayed around clucking and he if I had another take for that day, that Tom, I would have had a double up on my own.
0: So now, up in your area for your tags system up there, uh, for a resident, is it over the counter, or do you have to apply for it via lottery?
1: Yeah. So, as a resident, we um, December tenth is our deadline. So, what you'll do is you'll put in for a spring spring tag, and mm-hmm. you your first you get a first. Um, what weeks you want? So you know you put on there what zone you want, and then you get to choose what weeks you want. Now it's not saying the first week you pick is what you're gonna get. So then True. you have your second option, what week you want. And then your third option would just be what zone you want.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: I got lucky and got, you know, got picked with one, week one. And then that's it. You get one tag. Then come middle of March, then they started doing their leftover tags on every Tuesday. Well, every Tuesday, it would be zone two that goes on sale at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Now you only get to pick one tag a day. Okay. So basically, yeah. So it would be like this year, it was March 26th would have been week one. Week one, leftover, and then Tuesday, yeah, week two, and that Wednesday, week three, and, and so on. Mm-hmm. And then, once all days are done, then that Saturday, which would have been March 27th, you're able to go online and buy a leftover take for anything left available. Okay. You only get one take a day.
3: All right.
1: So, I just got lucky. I got, I got, um, granted week one, and then I got my leftover take for so week two, three, and four.
0: Very sweet, then, man. And so, then, how did Week Four end for you? I know you were successful, yeah, but was, give us a give us a walk through how that uh, worked out for you. Was it a, another morning shot or midday?
1: Uh, it was actually um, early afternoon. Um, so Week Four was, I got done with work, and I my whole mindset was, I'm going back to Krakow. I'm going back to the Honey Hole where I doubled up in Week Two. I okay. know they're there. I know I'm going to see Bert. But mm-hmm. then for some reason, you know being so close in the town of Seymour and you know, I, I wanted to do four different properties, four different birds. So it's like, okay. if I go back to Crago. I didn't get to do that. So I feel like I'd be letting myself down knowing I had a goal set for the spring. So why ruin it? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, a, it was on, it was on a Wednesday, the first day of week four. I said, no, I'm going to go down to the Creek line down by my uncle Nick's property and I'm going to do it for him. So okay. I, I dedicated that week four to uncle Nick and it's, I knew he was there sitting by me because it, the how the hunt started out, so I got down my vehicle and it was it was warm. It was very, very warm day out and all I had was my late season and pants and I put those on I I instantly started sweating. I'm like, I'm not even going to wear boots. So I went down there in my black sweatpants. I just don't wear black sweatpants with my boots. Well, I didn't even have my boots on me. They're actually at home. My wife, and My wife's like, yeah, your boots are sitting right here in the doorway. Well, great. <laughs> so I walked down there in my shoes. I walked down there like a hillbilly. It was just priceless and I get down to this little green um, grass patch in the creek line, and I'm like, I'm going to, I told myself, I'm going to here with me, I'm going to kill a bird. And I started hitting the calls, and I had one gobble, but two hours, no, an hour into my sit, I had one gobble to the east, and he come walking in, and his head up, and now he's across the creek. So I'm watching him coming in, coming in, and all of a sudden, I hit my slate call again, just to let him know that I'm still there, because the grass is kind of high, so that with my breeder hen she kind of blended in so it's like it was hard for him to see her but he could see the Jake. well okay. with him i think only seeing it at the time well he don't care that there's a, a Jake there he don't he don't need to come in for that but he couldn't see my breeder hen so mm-hmm. that I'm like oh boy mm-hmm. this this might just that. well he got into that grass patch now i got now all some whoa, three more times gobble to my to my east i'm like oh great is he intimidated by them is he not mm-hmm. gonna come in now i mean because i just didn't know well he got to he got to the east of me and it must have, the sun must have just beat it down on that hen just right, and all of a sudden he sticks his head up, he turns, sees my breeder hen, sees the Jake again, he does a whole 180 turn, and that was it. He come right in and put the binoculars on him. Lo and behold, I could see something above his beard, and it was another beard. So here I have a double beard tom coming in on my uncle Nick's property, and. I just got chills. I kind of started cheering up saying, oh my gosh, this is going to happen. It's all going to fall into place. Yeah. And lo and behold, that Tom comes strutting in. You can see that bearded, I can see the double beard clear as day. Uh, he, again, he come in seven and a half yards. He gave me a perfect broadside shot. And I filled him with my dirt nap and he ran seven yards and that's where he ended up dying. And I went over just to double check to make sure I wasn't seeing things. And yeah, it was a double beard, And this uh, my wife said, she goes, she always tells me, shoot so many turkeys, you know. You don't need to get another mount, so I, I do it myself. I, you know, okay. I just, you know, put the the borax on himself, let them dry out, you know. But with this being a double beard, you know, and I knew it. Those three other birds that I heard gobbling, and I knew I needed to wait out for this bird because it meant something. It had okay. meaning to it. And you know, I I thank Uncle Nick for this because I think with him being there for me and. That's why this bird came in and I shot him and got him and I actually ended up calling my taxidermy right away and called up um, Kevin Pishak at Rivers Bend Taxidermy. I'm like, Kevin, you won't believe what I just did. He goes, oh boy, what did you do? Okay. I go, on my Uncle next property, I just killed my first ever double beard. I'm like, I'm bringing it in. And so I am getting a pedestal note of the tom and that's me putting it in a glass case and then what, what I have here and um i have the obituary um kind of like a little booklet of my uh-huh. neck yet yeah and that that's gonna be set you put in the glass case with that bird
0: that's awesome man that is that's what we get in hunting for is these 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 moments that that we get to capture and it's like you can't do that any other place than than being out in the wild i mean that is really special man I, it's like i'm touched that's that's pretty awesome that you're yeah. doing such a big honor now what's that what's that mount gonna run you
1: that I am not, I'm not too sure on. Um, I know, um, I brought in a lot of business to my, uh, taxpayer, Kevin. Um, I've had my shoulder mount done from him. Mm-hmm. Um, the three, the three birds I have on my living room wall. Um, I have one with just a fan, the spurs and beard done. Yeah. And then I have one with the head. Has- yeah. And then my, which was my personal best at the time, I have it done on a big piece of barn wood. So okay. So he did all three of uh, my turkeys he's done my shoulder mount, like I said, my white tail. Mm-hmm. And now he's, he's going to be pissed. And he even said too, he goes, Craig, you bring in so much business for me and not alone yourself, but I, um, I brought in friends to him, to get ducks done. Um, my, my, one of my bosses at work, he brought in a deer to get done. So that's awesome. He's gonna, he said, he's going to give me a very good, very good deal on it. Um, I know his full mounts, his full Turkey mounts run four ninety five. That's still not bad not, though. Not a full mount. No, that's not bad at all. And with this being a pedestal mount, it ain't going to run
0: me more than $300. That's still not bad though. Especially for those that are like, that are like maybe just got a bird this weekend or someone. Then like, what's a bird going to run me and stuff like that. It's like, that's actually not that uh, expensive. Cause like my shoulder mount ran me just over five for my, for my white tail. So, and it's like, and, and my, uh, my wife's gra- uh grandma said, she's like, why'd you mount that? It's like, and, 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 uh, and why I mounted my big white tail is that it wasn't the rack; it was how big his neck was. And uh, yesterday, I was cleaning out my—I okay, my, yeah. was cleaning out my um, freezer, and I found the piece of the neck. And it's like I call it London broil because it's like how well it's like I—I I was able to cut it off the off the off the neck and be able to preserve that meat. And yep. so, like I'm going to cook that up for my dad's birthday coming up next weekend because it's a uh, his birthday's That's on cool. Memorial Day weekend. So we pretty excited, and I got the one of my favorite compliments from my father was is that this was the biggest buck he's ever seen in his life and he's this is a man that's been hunting northern iowa for over 40 years yeah but the where he's hunting at it's like if you look at him it's mitchell iowa and where he's hunting at it's like it's right in the it's like towards the tip end of the driftless area so when the after the younger dryas um uh, happened about eleven thousand years ago and as it was reshaping the landscape there it's mostly flat and a lot of uh of cornfields and bean fields. So it's like not a lot of coverage. So it's like he's seeing a big buck like this was kind of surprising, but it's like, man, it was just, I was, it was a real tickle to hear his compliment on its own. now you've really like, really like blossomed this year. So like you've gotten bored with trees and camo. How did that relationship come about?
1: Well, camo, I just, you know, the, the style of the camel, I mean, how well it blends in with everything. I mean, they have their early season gear, and then they have their, their LS, then on that the ES gear, which is early season, and then they have their LS late season gear. And, mm-hmm. you know, with temperatures here in Wisconsin, how, how much they punctuate. I mean, one day it could be 80 degrees here, and the next day it could be in the highs in the upper 40s. You just don't know. True. I mean, well, you know, with me deciding what type of gear I wanted, I, I stepped away from the early season gear because like spring turkey hunting, yeah, it can be very warm. It also can be very cold, and it could be snowing. I mean, True. Last, last year. In- yeah. You got 18 inches of snow. Well, I'm not gonna go out there and wear early season gear and 18 inches of snow when it's 30 degrees out. Mm-hmm. So I just said, you know what, I'm gonna go to go the whole gear package. And I was, um, you know, I was talking to some people that actually wear the gear. Um, mm-hmm. actually, her name is um Reagan. She's actually um a shooter for gotech Tech Archery, and um she's um she's big with trees and camel also. And I was asking her information and a question about it, and she gave me every little detail you could possibly think of, and. That just sold me right there. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do it. Okay. And then i I ended up working. I ended up getting the whole package deal um, with the camel set up, and it's absolutely amazing. I love it. The warmth of the camel, um, the style, the the quality of the camel is probably the best quality and camel I've ever purchased.
0: That's great to hear, man. Like uh, a few years ago, my wife got me some WSI gear based out of uh, Maple Grove, Minnesota, and their gear is it's it's not okay. it's 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 base layer gear, and they have this thermal tech uh, technical yep. uh, technology they put into it. And she bought me a full set, and like yep. f- retail is like three fifty, but we got it. She just perfect timing uh-huh. we're only paid like like 200 and some dollars for the whole set for a top and bottom for it, man and it's like it's been a game changer and now since my old hunting pro- i no longer have my old hunting property i gotta look for a new one and uh the what the comp yep. the, the, the i'm currently rocking scent blocker right now just because okay. it's like it, it had a, a combination of birch in it and, a, and the land yep. i was hunting had a lot of, a lot of light colors like whites um like greens so it's like it worked perfectly for it and it's like and even for my snow right. camel gear now, I'm looking for new lands. So it's like I'm, I'm not necessarily in the market for new hunting gear yet, but it's like I'm, I'm forward yeah. thinking about like, do I want to go trees and do I want to stick with scent block or do I want to look at first light? Because right. there's so many awesome camel p- patterns out there. And it's like when I recommend any type of gear, it's like you've got to look at your terrain. And it's like, and like when you look yeah. at your, when you're looking to buy a new bow, it's like you, you take that into consideration. It's like, does yeah. these colors match the terrain I'm hunting?
1: That's just it, yeah. You know, and that's a big thing too. Like what you just said about you know matching the like you know, with my bow that I have, I shoot the um, bear archery approach, and mm-hmm. I have on the camel that came with the bow is that it's a it's that crib Knight camel, yeah. And I love it, you know. And I always had dreams of you know like oh I just want to get this thing hydro dipped, you know, flat black, you know, because so I hunt a lot of ground line. But at the same time though, for whitetail, I'm 18 feet in the air hunting out of a tree stand, so it's like you know mm-hmm. what I'm gonna leave. It is because the fact is why. I guess how I'm shooting the bowl, how accurate I am with my bowl, how fast it is. Why why change anything? Why take it apart and mess around with it? Because you know taking it apart like that could just screw something up. Where now now I'm all off sync, you know, and stuff like that. Well, that camera that camel pattern I have on it, it's gonna you know, work perfect for that deer stand. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's fine. So
0: that's awesome, man. And now I've noticed that like you've gotten heavily into crossfit and now you've surged your own little branding of backwoods fit like how'd you come because like i yep. know when we first started talking a couple of years ago you and your friend were like working on, ty- on a project and things have changed in your guys dynamics now it's like you've blossomed into this like what's the foundation of this backwoods foot fit
1: yeah so i guess you know back you know years ago when buddy and i try to do run something you know like kind of like a team operation stuff like that and just You know, we didn't, we didn't, you know, end on bad terms, you know, we're still good friends. I just, he was somewhere, he was at a different stage in life and I'm at a different stage of life, you know, and I just, I guess, you know, my, my aspect of it, I just know, I just knew what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, starting last year, I just, you know, on my Instagram, you know, stuff like that. And I'm on Twitter now, I'm on, you know, you know, TikTok, you know, just being funny with that. And I just like, you know, I want, I want a really unique name to represent myself, you know. And not just outdoors. I wanted to represent with my CrossFit. I also post, you know, my CrossFit videos on Instagram, you know, on Facebook, stuff like that. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, how do I do this? So I just started really digging deep into it, you know, getting um, opinions from other people and stuff like that. And and all of a sudden, just wait, I just boom, came on my backwoods fit, backwoods. Like I'm, I'm always hunting in the woods. I'm, at, you know, backwoods and all stuff like that. And it's like fit. Well, I'm, I'm very fit. I'm in the CrossFit. You know, it, it just made sense to me. So I just ended up doing the name, and I made sure, you know, on other social media that this name was not patronized or used yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one had it, so I just took off and ran with it. And it, it, the name it fits me perfect. I'm always constantly outdoors, whether it's hunting and fishing, you know, um, and then fit, you know, the fit style name part of it is just, you know, do my like Yeah, because dude, just, I just make
0: yeah, cause I've been watching, man. It's like, you're fucking shredded, dude. It's like, there's nothing about it. It's like, you're, you're like all the, like, um, I want, I think a really good challenge for you is called the, the Beast Mode Archery Challenge. That's coming up in Tyrell Basin on July 18th. As long as we don't continue, um, with this 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 yeah. cont- pandemic but i think this would be a fantastic challenge for you man because like i did I, w- I didn't perform last year i was part of the, the media coverage for it. i did i was there all weekend long recording podcasts i mean i even got yep. um, eric clark from where to hunt to come on out and you get to experience it and, like he-, he got the the, the uh uh um, the what's the word like the 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 competitive uh, bug going for him because it's like he just saw how intense yep. it is, and I re- I think this would be a f- one right up your alley to just to get out there with with your branding with backwoods fit with trees in, yep. and you, it's like I think this would be a good fit for it just to just to test your might for it because I I talked to yep. you about it last year, yep. but it just like it just didn't fit in your schedule.
1: Well, right, right, you know, and now you know with the whole pandemic, you know, we don't know how where this is going. to go. Granted, now they opened up they opened up brown county but you know it's just like you don't know is, is it going to spike again are the rates going to go up now or people you know it just who knows how long this is going to last you know and i mean i know in our area there i mean they canceled um mile of music um here in um, appleton wisconsin they, they they shut that down the fireworks show in july they shut that down
0: mm-hmm. i mean
1: it, just everything is just shut down right now you just don't know what's going to happen
0: yeah, we did the same thing here because, like, we have um, Ashley of the Arts. And that's, that's yep. put it in Arcadia for, um, Ashley Furniture. That's got shut down. We have, um, the oh. River Fest here, River City Fest. That's got shut down. Mm-hmm. But they have kept, uh, the Oktoberfest. That's still on the books right now, too, as well. But it's, it's, it's all interesting in how you perceive this thing right here. I saw this as a, as a pandemic. It's just a way for the, for the losing team to have a chance to try to get back in the graces. But now they have a very, um, sleepy kind of, a. Uh, uh, a Politician at the wheel right now, so it's 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 going to be an interesting dynamic of what's going to happen. Because I've talked to a lot of people and they're looking at this being a very um, shift in the wrong direction for the U.S. economy.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: it's just like I was listening to people out there in Florida or out to in uh, Washington, and they are if you're a landowner out there, if you're renting properties. Good luck, man, because they're putting in legislation that they can they can uh, remove. Um, the possibility of getting evicted is like now just costing people tons of money. So it's like, it's a very uh, drastic um, change. It's like listening to Elon Musk here a couple of weeks ago on the Rogan podcast. It's like, he's saying you got to open it back up because people need to be creative. And it's like, we're, we're shutting that down and it's not something we want to see. Um, so Craig, what are, how are ways to people to get a hold of you?
1: Um, a lot of it is just, you know, basically, um, you know, I, I try not to um, give out my number too much because you just you, nowadays you just don't know. You know, yeah. and you you're
0: know, on social media. There's there's plenty of, of platforms.
1: Exactly. So a lot of it, you know, Instagram. You know, direct message me. Um, you know, Facebook. You know, I got the Facebook Messenger stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I have my email out there, so people can email me. I do check that very very frequently. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess a lot of uh, you just wait to uh, message me because like I said I'm I'm on my. T- Twenty four seven on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm just act up stuff like that, you know. And um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of easiest way is just a direct message, and I will get I get back to you as soon as I can, you know. And during the mm-hmm. weekdays, I work my full time job and stuff like that. You know, I take care, of, you know, stuff like that on the house. Stuff. But I'm always on my phone. It's always it's always by me, so I'm I get back to people pretty fast.
0: So what are your handles then? What's your Twitter, Instagram, TikTok?
1: Uh, yeah, um, Instagram. Um, Twitter and TikTok, Everything is at backwoods fit.
0: Okay, good. That's it's Solid branding. I do the same thing with bucks of America podcast. Yep. Everything I'm touched is yep. all that.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's at backwoods underscore fit and that's my, that's my handle for all my social media links.
0: Fantastic, man. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Do you have any concluders? Do you have any words of wisdom?
1: Um, yeah, like you said um, going back to turkey hunting. You know, you know, everyone has their own style of hunting. I, you know, it's run and gun or sit up that whole day. And I tell you what, if you have the time, if you don't have anything going on that day, you want to go hunt and you can you can sit all day and pack lunch and stuff like that and water. I highly recommend it. And a big thing too, to be successful, you don't have property to hunt never hesitate to go knock on someone's door because the worst thing they can do is say no. Mm-hmm. I mean, you show them respect, stuff like that. And a lot of people don't like turkeys because they, they ruin crops and they do. I mean, they're going to say yes, unless they have people already booked up you know, for their properties, but it doesn't hurt to ask. I mean, that, that's what I do. And I guess that's why I have so many opportunities to go and do so many things where, you know, I feel that if I only have one property done, I might not be as successful as i am now today mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess moving forward i mean just you put the time in you will be successful
0: that's awesome man well thank you craig for coming on the podcast today so yep. you i'll let you go man you have enjoy the rest of your day all right
1: absolutely bud you guys take care
0: thank you